0: Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. <clears throat> Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists like us answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 329. I'm your host, Valerie George, and with me today is Perry Romanowski. Hi, Perry.
1: Hello, Valerie. Good to see you again.
0: It's been a bit. I'm so excited to catch up. Plus, on today's show, we're going to answer questions about whether we think the K18 peptide technology is as magic as claimed. Can you use products formulated for your face on different body parts? Can you substitute a men's hair color for a woman's hair color? Is there anything in a conditioner that can permanently straighten hair and finally... Or maybe not. Finally, is using probiotics a remedy for the problem of superbugs?
1: Ooh, superbugs! But
0: first, that name chit chat.
1: Yes, a uh, name chit chat. Well, last time we saw you, you were in uh, Kel- or Canada, right? Vancouver. Last,
0: yeah, we were in Canada together. So I think we mentioned this before on the podcast. But I was telling Perry, "Oh, I can't do anything that week. I'm going to be in Canada," and he was like, "I'm going to be in Canada." And then we were like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in Vancouver. You're going to be in Vancouver. And then I was like, wait, what are you going to be doing in Vancouver? And it turns out we were going to the same show, the Handcrafted Bath and Body Guild Stronger Together Annual Convention.
1: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, there's a real camaraderie there in the Beauty Makers Guild up there, uh, which is, yeah, and some cool stuff. They were making soap and uh other kind of uh, bars and lotions and things. Very cool.
0: Yeah, lots of bath bombs. Turns out Canada loves bath bombs. And we got to see some of our online friends, or at least some of my online friends, uh, Marie Reima from Humble Bee and Me. And also I got to meet some Beauty Brains fans, including Alicia, who I had actually been corresponding with on the internet, Instagram. And she came to see you and me, but you had just left for the airport.
1: Oh, darn. I'm sorry to have missed her.
0: And I missed uh, Swift Craft Monkey. She has an awesome blog. If you enjoy making things, she wasn't able to make it to the show. But I would say we had a pretty good time. We even did karaoke together.
1: We did, boy. You've not you not lived till you're here, uh, Valerie, doing karaoke. That's, that was fabulous.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, guys! Perry totally got catfished by this girl. We uh. made friends with. Well, first of all, I just want to say that we won trivia. Our team USA, oh, we did Canada, Hong sure. Kong was the name of our team. <laughs> we destroyed the competition. And well, thanks to Mr. Cosmetic Chemist and one of my former chemists, Emily, who uh, had strong music knowledge. I don't think we could have done it without them.
1: They were pretty good, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but our new friends from Team Hong Kong convinced Perry to do a karaoke song with uh, the girl. And we were like, okay, this will be interesting. And then she basically was Lady Gaga and Perry was not Bradley Cooper.
1: I was adequate, (laughs) but yeah, I I mean,
0: you got through it
1: (laughs) to be fair. I did not know the song really, but, uh, you know, I'm always willing to do any karaoke song.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, we had such a good time together and hopefully we can do another event again. We always have fun. But then after that you traveled too, right?
1: Yeah. I just got back from Austin and I was down there visiting some friends and just trying to get out of the cold weather. And, uh, they just happened to have South by Southwest down there and there was one place that lush the brand lush had taken over a bar and they had it all set up with the bath bombs and their soaps and they even had an event where they had one of their chemists demonstrating the mixing up of a body cleanser
0: very cool
1: interesting enough yeah yeah (laughs) so so that was fun
0: could you smell it from a distance and you were like wait lush is at south by southwest
1: I tell you what, that bar is going to have a, a little time uh, with that lingering odor from Lush for a while.
0: <laughs> oh, so it was actually in a bar, a drinking bar.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was like a, a drinking bar. Don't <laughs> accidentally take
0: a shot of the cleanser, everybody. Do not.
1: Yeah. No, that, that place is going to smell like Lush for a couple of weeks, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. Uh, it was a good time. And uh, they actually introduced a new portable speaker or something so it's supposed to go with your bath time you're having a bath you put in your bath bomb and then you dump this uh, waterproof speaker in there and it plays off the music and it plays these lights so (laughs) i guess it's supposed to enhance the experience but
0: i'm not putting anything electric in the water i don't care how how waterproof it is and while you were doing that I was speaking at the Society of Cosmetic Chemists meeting on formulating strategies for conditioned hair. I thought it went pretty well. Oh, fun. Pretty cool. Some oh, people good. came to see me, uh, which was good. Uh, and then now I'm just getting ready for In Cosmetics Barcelona, the big ingredient trade show.
1: That's right. You're traveling to Spain. That'll that'll be fun for you.
0: Yeah. Well, first Germany, visit my mom's cousin. She's uh, getting ah. old. Speaking of my mom. Hi, mom. Uh, she's a big fan of the show and she's like oh so Perry's traveling huh or oh were you busy solo episode it's kind of funny it's like her way of checking in on me anyway (laughs) uh, they're coming to LA they're gonna take care of the business while I'm gone so super excited about that and then when we come back uh, we can't get kitties I really want a kitty so bad especially uh, seeing all the porch kitty stuff going on and uh, seeing Ted and all that kind of stuff Uh, but Mr. Cosmetic Chemist as you learned from spending time with him he's very allergic and so I yes. think we're ready to get some dogs.
1: Oh well it's always nice to have a pet to take care of. You know I was yeah. worried about the porch kitties because I was gone for almost two weeks and did I you just leave them. like
0: an entire who fed them?
1: Well my neighbor was feeding them a bit but I did leave a big big barrel of food for them, uh, which was completely <laughs> gone by the time I got back. I'm sure yeah, the raccoons it appreciated
0: days. it, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. But when I came back, you know, Tiny Tux was out there, PK out there, Benito So I seen uh, almost all of them except uh, my regular tuxedo. But
0: uh, were they kind of happy to see you? Or
1: oh yeah not yeah they were they were running really? towards me now oh so. <laughs> yeah, so.
0: they're like our food <laughs> provider is back oh
1: <laughs> they are yes
0: that's so cute
1: should we get into the show here
0: yeah I saw this week that Goop is closing its store in London which I was very surprised about because I feel like that's where Goop got its start in England with all her interesting recipes. And that kind of stuff on her blog, Uh, but they have lost 1.4 million pounds in revenue, and so uh, they're shutting doors.
1: Yeah, that's boy, that's a lot of a lot of money lost. But I guess it's well, Goop is almost a what a 250 million dollar brand, so they're pretty big.
0: Losing 1.7 ish million U.S. dollars is gotta hurt, right? Oh,
1: oh, for sure. (laughs) So I guess it's easier to shut down. Uh, And, you know, even running a store, you have to Mm -hmm. constantly worry about having people employed there and collecting money. And it's just doing stuff online seems like a lot easier to me.
0: Yeah, well, the article didn't really say much, just that uh, COVID really hurt them. The physical storefront is not doing well. They're encountering the same difficulties as Glossier and of course, stirring up a little drama, they think it could signal the demise of premium wellness as a trend, as it becomes more widely adopted across the industry. So nothing special there. Uh, you know, maybe their e-commerce is booming. I don't know. But that's it. Uh,
1: yeah. So, so, you know, another another store bites the dust, but I think the Goop brand is probably fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. What'd you see?
1: Well, in Lawsuit Corner, we saw, and every, I think everybody has talked about this, but we're uh, a little late to the game, but you know, we haven't had a show in a little while. Olaplex is facing a $75 million hair care loss lawsuit. 28 women claiming that the products cause hair loss, blisters, and other conditions. And uh, the thing that I found very strange about this is that they were blaming the hair loss on... Lillian, we've talked about Lillian in the past, and, <laughs> but I and think all it's Liliol.
0: I think that's a typo. Right.
1: Oh yeah, that is a typo. Yeah, it's Liliol. And then they said, panthenol can also lead to hair loss. Can you believe this? Panthenol. What? <laughs> well, where are they getting this from?
0: Here's what I think is happening. I think people are having challenges, and honestly, in the salon professional world we've been hearing uh, stylists complain about breakage due to Olaplex use overuse for a long time. So this is nothing new for my ears. And on Facebook, several thousand people have actually been complaining on the consumer front for a few years on um, some hair breakage and hair loss uh, after using the Olaplex products. So I think that's why it's come to this lawsuit is it hasn't been addressed and i know that some news outlets like bloomberg have been following this for a long time but you have people who are having an issue and they're not really sure what to to blame it on or what could be the cause and so i think they're reaching and saying well it must be this it must be this but at the end of the day uh, it could be a multitude of things right so i think the ingredient blaming is is a, a reach
1: it's really hard to decide like what is a cause of any specific hair loss, and people lose hair hair for lots of reasons, environment stress, the products yeah. they're using the 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 food they're eating uh, to blame it on just this product, uh, typically that it seems to me like any product that gets any hair product that gets popular is gonna get sued for hair loss, right?
0: Now. yeah, well, I mean. Yeah, it seems to be a bit of a trend. But have you seen the images of the women? I saw
1: some, but again,
0: hard to say what caused it. But right. yeah, the hair did right, look exactly.
1: Great. Not that I doubt the 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 images. Sure, I mean they're yeah certainly hair loss can be happening. But that it's panthenol? Uh, come on, uh, that's yeah. panthenol is in, like, it, in every hair product or something. I don't know why they would even mention panthenol.
0: Yeah, like I said, I think they're reaching. I mean, the reality is when you were using bond building products or products that claim to Totally protect your hair. You may be a little more carte blanche with what you do to your hair because you think you have this extra protection. And so, in the case of a bond builder, a stylist is going to say, Well, I have a bond builder in here. I can be a little more aggressive with the service that I'm doing. And then you have a consumer saying, Well, I use a bond builder. I'm using all these other products to protect my hair. I can be a little more aggressive with what I'm doing, maybe a little more thermal application applied which is horrible for hair if you are bleaching your hair and then using heat on it Uh, and so I think you have people overdoing it uh, because they think they have this safety net I think that's probably really what's going on and then hair is getting trashed
1: yeah I would be very surprising to me if anyone could just demonstrate using Olaplex causes hair loss and of course the Olaplex people are saying it's ridiculous too so we'll see how this all ends up
0: yeah yeah All right, let's answer some beauty science questions. Our first one comes to us from Patreon. Hi, Beauty Brains. It's Natalie. Love listening to your podcast on my way to work. I want to know your thoughts and opinion of the K-18 products. Are they worth the money? I see it as a very simple formula, and it's this peptide allegedly, I added that word, doing all the magic. Do you know any information on this peptide technology? Thanks.
1: Well, thanks for that question. And also thanks for being a patron. You know, if you want to support the show and keep us ad free and uh, give us the ability to talk about brands like K18 without fear, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. All right, K18, Valerie.
0: Yeah, we've talked about it a couple times on the show. The most in-depth look was probably episode 277 and a little bit more on 316. Do you remember that? I
1: do remember that and you know I looked I looked at, at the time I looked into this and essentially they're they're going with the bond builder Talk and they're going with saying, well, instead of using the Olaplex uh, chemical, which isn't a peptide, they're saying, well, there's this peptide that they're using. You know, I'm super skeptical about this. That it just seems very trendy, and they're just sort of keying into that using the word bond builder. Because what is bond builder? And like anybody can say a bond builder because they don't specifically say what bond is being created. Yeah. So there's hydrogen. You get your hair wet, you're creating and breaking hydrogen bonds.
0: Actually, it's a bond breaker. The evaporation of water is a bond builder.
1: Exactly. And curling your hair and then the va- water evaporates. So that is you putting salt in your hair it can be a bond builder and bond breaker, the ionic bonds there and such. And and so the word bond builder, there's no legal definition for that. So anybody can say anything. And putting a peptide on your hair, color me skeptical on this one. And uh, it, you know, if we're looking at their ingredient list... Uh, And this is their K18 uh, full-size leave-in molecular hair mask. Now, they have a trademark K18 peptide. But, of course, in this, you look at all the other ingredients, you know, propylene glycol, uh, acetyl alcohol... C to lessors, trimonium chloride, pretty standard leave-in conditioner stuff. So,
0: Well, also, we have a hydrolyzed wheat protein and a hydrolyzed wheat starch, and I've talked about it before on the show. I know you're not a believer in the different uh, proteins. I am, but wheat protein is a great strength protein for hair. It's excellent even at very low use levels, less than 1%, ideally half to 1%.
1: Oh, well, and I have to say that if you're going to get any benefit from a protein, it's it's a leave-in product. So at least it's leave-ins. <laughs> but you have to ask yourself, if this peptide was so effective, why do they have all these other things in there? Why, why put in the wheat protein and the starch protein? Because, you know, obviously they're trying to get the immediate effect that you're going to get from these other things. And then whether the bond builder is doing anything or not, who's going to even know? I'd be skeptical that it is. You know, I also see they have linalool in here, which has not been uh, been banned, but <laughs> <they> <laughs> I'm might... sure
0: it's on the way to being banned.
1: It sounds very close to what uh, the Olaplex stuff has in there, so you might want to take that one out, K18. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh those are my thoughts on the topic. Uh but I'd also say you have to wonder why why wouldn't don't we see a study where someone has this the leave-in conditioner with and without that protein? And showing some differences and it would be trivially easy to do and I, I don't see anything like that and you yeah. know, I suspect it's like that because there's no benefit for them to find out that the peptides are really doing anything or not.
0: Yeah, but I will say their products are nice. I've used a few of them and they're not bad. so if you at least like them for the performance, you know keep using them. It is on the expensive side. It's a premium product. it's on par price wise with olaplex. Um, So, you know, if you enjoy them, I would say it's worth the money there. We just can't speak to the bond building technology.
1: Yeah. And uh, color me skeptical. Okay. (laughs) Next question comes to us from Vanessa. I'm a longtime fan of your podcast and I listen to you all the time. In keeping with your motto of being brainy about my beauty, I have a question about the products that are specific for different parts of your body. I'm wondering about products labeled for your body and whether or not you can use them interchangeably for your face and vice versa, or is this just a marketing issue? Understandably, you wouldn't want to use an expensive face cream all over your body. No, no, you wouldn't. But are specific products formulated to target other parts of your body? Uh, For example, Versed makes a retinol body lotion, which offers six ounces for $18, whereas Olay as a 1.7 retinol face cream for $30. Could I use that body lotion on my face and get the same results? The same question applies to sunscreen labeled for face versus body. Can these be used interchangeably or do I need two different sunscreens, one for the face, one for the body? I hate to sound skeptical, but is this just another marketing scam to make you think you need to buy more products? Uh, thanks in advance, Valerie and Perry, and keep up the good work. Aww. All right. Uh, products for different body parts.
0: Yeah. So this is actually a very interesting concept that people often don't think about. And I have a confession to make. I am a huge abuser of this concept because Are ya? If, yeah, if I get an eye cream sample, let's say, I'm not like a really big eye cream user. So honestly, I'm probably going to use it on my whole face or I'm going to use it on my neck or I'm going to put it on my legs or whatever because I'm sure it's a perfectly fine moisturizer, as you would say. But uh, if I were a toxicologist, I would probably tell you, you shouldn't do that because when an ingredient is evaluated or product is evaluated for overall safety, they have to know where it's going and what the dose on the body is. And this becomes extremely important when you're using actives like retinol or niacinamide, where dose is Mm -hmm. really important from a toxicological perspective. So for example, if you had a face cream with uh, niacinamide on it, the maximum amount of niacinamide you could use before you reach your your daily toxicological dose in one application is 19%. That's a lot, right? That's uh, a lot, a face, yeah. seru- a face serum, you could use a little bit more because you're applying less of a serum. But in a body lotion, the max from a toxicological perspective is around 4%. So if you have this 10% niacinamide serum that's uh, safe to use on your face daily, and then you go to put it head to toe as a body lotion, um, you're exceeding your daily dose by almost 4%. And uh, this can be an issue over time. So it's really important to not mix and match uh, products for face or body, uh, especially if they have ingredients that are, you know, I guess all ingredients should be taken into account for dose, but ingredients, active ingredients like niacinamide and retinol and things that can have bigger implications.
1: Yeah. And in that case, like the body one could be used for your face because it's a lower percentage and such. But uh, that does also assume that you're working with a company that is adjusting things significantly for their face and body products. Often what happens is you'll take a, if you have a body product, You'll take that same product, maybe dilute it out and make it aesthetically feel different and then call it a face cream. There's no standard by which the products have to have these uh, ingredient levels for the face versus the body. So it really depends on the brand. I think for the most part, uh, you can mix and match stuff. And if it's safer around your eye, it's probably going to be safe for the rest of your body.
0: Yeah, I would, I would probably take a body product and use it on my, f- assume that it can be safe for the face because you're putting less product on, but in the case of like retinol, I wouldn't take a face cream that has, let's say 0.25% retinol and put it all over my body. I wouldn't do that.
1: Right. No, I, I that seems wasteful anyway. <laughs> it's just yeah. face creams are typically uh, much smaller.
0: And I would say for the sunscreen, the same thing. You can use these interchangeably. I think it's totally an aesthetics equation. Um, You know, do you like the feel of the body sunscreen all over your face? I happen to have some SPF 50 body sunscreens, you know, that were designed head to toe that are probably really heavy and greasy, and I wouldn't want them on my face. Uh, But likewise, you know, I have a face sunscreen that I have used more on my body, And I'm like, oh, it's not heavy enough. So I think it really is an aesthetics equation and what your preference is. But uh, sunscreen is one different aspect because it's meant to be applied um, anywhere on your skin. And that is taken into consideration with the maximum levels for safety.
1: Right. So it is understandable to be skeptical and uh, often beauty brands do definitely make products that they'll take the same product and just say, oh, it's targeted for this different thing just to get you to buy two products. But sometimes there is at least slight differences. Mm-hmm. Our next question comes to us from Izzy. She says, Hi, beauty brands. I have two hair color related questions for you. I usually color my hair at home with a drugstore box brand or permanent hair color for women, specifically the Olia by Garnier. Uh, recently, this color has been out of stock so i tried to touch up my roots with just for men beard and mustache dye which i typically use on my eyebrows Uh, i know i'm not supposed to do that no you are not supposed to do that Uh, both (laughs) products require you to mix separate tubes before applying but the women's product requires 30 minutes on the hair while the men's only requires five minutes why is that also when i tried the beard and mustache dye on my roots it did not work well at all you could still see the grays through the color. I used the same product the same day at the same time for my eyebrows, and they came out as expected. Is there a difference between head hair and eyebrow hair that would affect the color that much? Thank you. All right, hair color guru, what what do we have here? Uh, First is men's and women's hair color using different chemistries.
0: Oh, wow. Well, great question, Issy. So no, men's hair color and women's hair color typically use the same chemistry. I would say men's hair color may historically have relied on what we call progressive or metallic dyes that you apply it and they oxidize over time in the hair and get darker, whereas conventional head color is dyes that are oxidized at the time of application and then you rinse everything off. But I would say today the Just For Men products, some of them are left on. They're not using the metallic dyes anymore. Those have been pretty much restricted, Uh, Mm -hmm. but they are more oxidizing on the face. Uh, The reason the Just For Men is five minutes is it probably has a different alkalinity and dye composition. And... Men don't necessarily want a full-on, strong, permanent color. They may be looking to supplement salt and pepper on the sideburns or their beard, or um, specifically you're using beard and mustache. You don't need that much time penetration in, which is why they're saying five minutes. When you applied it on your roots, I'm going to guess it didn't cover because you may have only left it on for five minutes. And at the end of the day, in order for hair to color and have good gray coverage you need time you need time for the dyes to travel and get into the hair and the beard and mustache dye probably isn't meant for coloring head hair in that respect so i would say that's not a good substitute i would probably stick uh, with another l'oreal product so garnier is owned by l'oreal and they have an excellent home hair color line called feria I actually think it creates really beautiful color on the hair. They're really dimensional looking. I would try that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would try it for the directions. And I think that you would be uh, pretty satisfied with the result. But a beard and mustache dyed design for facial hair left on at five minutes isn't going to compete with a conventional hair color that's left on for 30 minutes, even though they have the same chemistry. They're just using chemistry differently to achieve an outcome
1: also i think the condition of those hairs is different so the closer the hair is to the root the tougher it is to actually get stuff to penetrate because the cuticles laying down nicer on a beard that hair gets uh exposed to a lot more uh i don't know touching or you know you know face exposure and environmental exposure and so i could see that the cuticle could get kind of more damaged and it'll absorb dyes a little bit better
0: Yeah. And head hair and eyebrow hair and beard hair actually have different morphologies. I've asked a bunch of hair hair scientists, like, Hey, do people study this? Because I, I find it interesting and not a lot of people are paying attention to this, but when you color your eyebrows, the eyebrows actually don't have a large area for dyes to penetrate with your head hair. Your hair is mostly made up of something called the cortex. That's about 80% of the hair fiber. And you can stuff all your dyes into this cortex. In a eyebrow hair, there's not a lot of cortex. So there's not a lot of room for dyes to get stuffed in there. And so they look colored more quickly. Uh, Also, Mm -hmm. conversely, the hair color falls out of eyebrows very quickly as well. You can only get it to stay a couple weeks before they... They come out because they can't penetrate very far into it. So I would say your eyebrows probably also too, unless they're totally white, have some background color already in them that can help buffer um, some of the pigment you're trying to add. So it looks like they got colored a little bit uh, better. And I would guess your eyebrow hair is probably closer uh, to your beard hair, <laughs> not your beard hair, a man's beard hair. <laughs> to a man, uh, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, um, I do have a couple of beard hairs though, but they're a little different oh, textures boy. than Perry's, I'm sure. <laughs> but
1: you're not dyeing them, are you?
0: <laughs> no, and they're really like super fine white ones, right? Whereas men sure. have sure. Uh, just morphologically different beard hair. So yeah, I would say that's probably why it worked on your brows and not your head hair.
1: Yeah, well, fascinating stuff there. And thank you so much for the question.
0: Our next question comes to us from Renata. I'm very grateful that you were so kind and answered some of my questions before. Well, I've got one more for you. Is there anything in the formula of a conditioner or leave-in product for hair that can permanently straighten the hair in a progressive way? Thank you in advance.
1: Whoa, permanently straighten your hair. Interesting. Well, I suppose it depends on what's in there, right?
0: Yeah. The only thing I could think of, or the only thing that I want to say I've seen are glyoxylic acid and believe it or not, perm ingredients, thio compounds. And these products are really not fun to use because they smell and they make your hair smell because they're breaking the disulfide bonds in your hair. And so they're not pleasant to use. Basically, you're using a mini perm or a mini straightener. Right. Each time you condition your hair.
1: Yeah, and and that'd be leave-in too because it takes some time for those reactions to get going.
0: Yeah, I've also seen bromelain and papain, the two enzymes from pineapple and papaya, respectively. I've also seen those be used. Again, uh, you're creating smelly compounds within the hair. It takes time for it to happen. And by the way, with all of these, you need time, but you also, with the glyoxylic acid and the enzymes, you need some kind of heat source to help realign and pull the hair straight. I would think actually with all of these, you do. Um, just yeah. like simply applying them on your hair and leaving your hair in the natural state isn't going to straighten it. It's going to leave the hair in whatever shape uh, you left it in. So you do need to still straighten them with some kind of heat source afterwards, I would guess.
1: And something like uh, proteins, which you you love, the hydrolyzed proteins and such, they can give you a, t- some temporary straightening stuff. But that the next time you wash your hair, that'll kind of wash that out. Although I suppose it could... Help it stretch for a little while, um, but I, I wouldn't think that's progressively straightened. But you know, there is a technology that I worked on that actually did do this. Huh. Uh, but it's, it's probably probably not on the market. But I did find it was part of this Tresemme product that I worked on called the Tresemme Color Lock, oh, and it wow. featured a high level of DMDM hydantoin, which was uh, oh, for, uh, uh,
0: formaldehyde probably. donor. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not good. There's a then, limit to how much you can use of that. Now. There is, and
1: right, there is a limit. We uh, and that's why the product did, didn't do much because uh, at the limit of one percent, you had one percent max as the DMDM hydantoin, which is a uh, like 02 percent, which the formaldehyde is like point oh oh five percent. So it actually did uh, straighten the hair. It you know it's a one one of the bond builders, I guess, but you, you just can't get it anymore. So <laughs> so there
0: you go yeah well and two i just want to point out that these conditioners are probably really damaging for the payoff that you get i've actually tested a lot of these types of products formulated with these types of products to see if they were viable and at the end of the day they just weren't really impressive enough i would just recommend to go get a uh straightening treatment from a salon professional
1: yeah i think ultimately that is going to be better than any progressive thing and uh and, uh, but, but you can bet in the future somebody's going to come out with some peptide that's supposed to do this. <laughs>
0: yep. Uh, well, we have time for that last question.
1: All right. Our last question, and there's a few of them, comes to us from... She says, hi, Perry and Valerie. I'm currently listening to episode 316 about probiotic house cleaners. And though you've debunked that, there could be live bacteria in there. You questioned why you would want to use this. And I automatically thought of superbugs. Could using something like this, if it actually worked, help to mitigate the risk of superbugs?
0: Huh, that's really interesting.
1: Probiotics you spray bacteria on here to try to fight the superbugs?
0: Well, I don't think that's how that works. So a probiotic would help modulate the growth of good bacteria, which would, in a homeostatic environment, regulate the growth of bad bacteria. But to me, if you have a superbug present, you would want to try to get like a total kill on it, right? Right. Right. And probiotic well, I think isn't necessarily an antimicrobial.
1: Right. I think that's the notion here. So if you do, you create a superbug by, if say you have a layer of bacteria and, and other microbes, you spray on a product that's supposed to wipe everything out. Well, say there's one superbug there, so it wipes out all of the little guys, and then the superbug didn't get wiped out. So now you, congratulations, you've just created a superbug that's even harder to get rid of. So that's the concern there. I'm not sure using probiotics is going to help from a cleansing standpoint because all it's really doing is just leaving bacteria behind. Yeah. Presumably, it's the good bacteria behind, but uh, I'm not sure that... uh, anything could be considered a good bacteria. They're all sort of opportunistic, and if the conditions are right, a good bacteria can become a bad bacteria. So I think the notion of still wiping out bacteria is the general plan of any sort of disinfectant kind of system.
0: Yeah, yeah, interesting. And two, it would be great to see what what the probiotics help modulate as well. On the surface, that would be interesting to see, oh, we put these probiotics in to regulate this amount of back, this type of bacteria, because you can do that for skin, you can, uh, there's testing companies like my microbiome, where they actually put your product on skin, and they look at the regulation of the different microorganisms and how some are growing and how some are not growing. Is that available for these probiotic house cleaners on a surface? And at the end of the day, uh, the reason you're putting a cleaner on is to sterilize and disinfect. So yeah. would you even want that anyway? Yeah.
1: Right. I, d- I don't think you want to encourage microbial growth on your household surfaces. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. You know, Mary Anna was smart enough to put another question in. So she says, On heat damage in hair, the last time I bought a hair straightener, I was told that one of the brands had done a study that showed that heat damage occurred at 400 degrees Fahrenheit and up. So I was just wondering if you knew, is that true?
0: Well, heat damage actually occurs at much lower temperatures than 400 degrees Fahrenheit or around 200 Celsius. So uh, that is true. Uh, that it would occur at 400 degrees Fahrenheit. And in fact, you're getting pretty close to the denaturation temperature of hair where you actually can melt your hair. Uh, I've seen it happen. Um, There's a YouTube video of a girl who curled her bangs off, presumably around this temperature. And I I laugh my butt off every time I see this video, even though it's been several years. Uh, But anyway, hair damage actually happens at much lower temperatures. When you are a brand though, and you have a product And you want to test how effective a product is at reducing the amount of thermal damage to hair. You do test it at 400 degrees Fahrenheit because this is typically the maximum temperature on a straightening iron or a curling iron. And so you just test the products at that temperature because most people just set their straightener up to the highest temperature it can, which is usually... Uh, 400 you definitely would never want to go higher than that and ideally you would go lower than that but that's what thermal protection studies are conducted at that temperature
1: but the bottom line is yes damage occurs at below 400 degrees so yes it's at 400 but it's yes it's below that too uh yeah and probably certainly anything over 200 degrees is going to mm-hmm. start to affect proteins just because of the boiling point of water and it could start to bubble some of the latent water in your fibers up and buckle the cuticles and such yeah all right marianna has a final question my third question is about putting products in different packages specifically i cleaned out a lip balm tub and put cerave healing ointment in it to have in my purse when i'm at work is this a big no-no or is it riskier, uh, is more water-based products than petrolatum or oil-based products? Thanks so much for sharing your knowledge. Taking and transferring products into different packaging, how do you feel about that, Valerie?
0: I do it all the time. I feel like this <laughs> is the episode where I do a lot of things all the time. And, <laughs> sure, you know, I would say as long as you take a high isopropyl alcohol Alcohol, like a 78% or a 90% or whatever you can get at the yeah. store. And you the rubbing alcohol stuff you got Yep. Here. You soak the container interior in it for at least 15 to 30 seconds, kind of coat the whole surface, and then dump that out, let it evaporate and dry out, or you could wipe it with a paper towel, although, you know, some people say don't do that. And then you can transfer your product to it as long as you're not touching the product, should be fine. I do this all the time. I don't throw away a container unless it's a tube. I try to reuse everything, especially jars, because I just go through a lot of packaging in my lab and sometimes it's like, you know, I'm paying a couple bucks for a little jar to keep as a retain for someone, well, I might as well use a jar that is a pretty good similar jar, right? Or I don't want to yeah. um, take a big thing with me. I want to take a little thing with me, and so I'll transfer all the time. But that's what I do is I just uh, I wash it with soap and water. And then I hit it with a little alcohol, let that evaporate, and then put my product in.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you're reducing the amount of plastic you're throwing into the uh, landfills, that's probably a good thing. I will say you have to understand, like, Cosmetics are not created in uh, antiseptic conditions, right? <laughs>
0: they're not sterile, no.
1: <laughs> right, <laughs> they're not sterile. So, ideally, you're not doing this, I guess, because uh, there could be contamination. But if you take a simple procedure like Valerie just had suggested, yeah, it's probably no problems here. And if this thing starts to smell or you see growth, then get rid of it. As far as it being more riskier, uh, water based products versus uh, petrolatum ones, Probably the water-based ones are a little more risky, but they also are easier to clean out of the tube. So if you clean the packaging and all of the stuff is out of there, that sh- it shouldn't be a problem. But the if you're using an oil-based or a petrolatum-based one, nothing's really going to grow there unless there's some residual water. So yeah, I, I'm i with Valerie. I, I don't see this as uh, really a big problem.
0: Yay. And I'm, I'm glad to hear people are reusing things. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Are you glad to hear that music?
0: Yeah, I have a lot of work to do since I'm headed out of country for work next week. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: And if you have a question and you want to get your voice on the show, the next time we'll, uh, we'll play a few audio questions next time. Just record it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at com.
0: If you get a chance, also please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. That's going to help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer.
1: But if you want to get your questions higher priority, go support us at Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe. We prioritize patron questions over everyone else.
0: Also, don't forget to follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at The Beauty Brains2018. On Twitter, we're at The Beauty Brains, and we have a Facebook page and maybe a TikTok, but you know, also could be good that we didn't uh, really do much on it if it's gonna be banned. So
1: that's I wonder if they're gonna ban TikTok. They're not gonna ban TikTok. <laughs> I eh, don't maybe know. Maybe they will. <laughs> well, Go thanks
0: on. again for listening, everyone, and remember, be brainy about your beauty.
1: Thanks everyone. kittens